Hey, thanks for listening to Best Line, Worst Line. This is part two of our Mel Brooks tournament. Our first episode covered the 1970 film, The Twelve Chairs. And this episode covers the second film of our tournament, To Be or Not To Be. We originally recorded both movies as a single episode, but it was a bit too long. So here's part two of our Mel Brooks tournament. Highlights from Hamlet. Hello, hello. Hello, I'm Jessica Benoist Young. And I'm Melanie Reeve. And this is Best Line, Worst Line. So I'm so excited to dive in today, especially since Jessica introduced me to two Mel Brooks movies I haven't seen. Um, the first mm-hmm. of which being 12 Chairs, which is his second movie as a director. And then the second movie we're going to be wa- we're talking about is To Be or Not To Be. I yeah. loved every bit of it. I thought it was what's so interesting about To Be or Not To Be is, as we said earlier, it takes place in 1939 yeah. as the Germans are invading Poland. This original movie was made in 1942. The war is still ongoing. We do not know the outset mm-hmm. of it. And there's so much making fun of Hitler, which is just like wild to me that this is basically the script of the 1942 movie. Yes. Well, I think that really only, I mean, it's fairly privileged to say, but I really think that Americans were the only people in a position to do that, you know, but also Europe would certainly Certainly not. But but it's also so interesting, like in a historical context. I mean, like, you know, they have that there's a line in there where they call him concentration can't Erhardt, which like now I think is I mean, it's not a funny line in that you know what the concentration camps are. Right. But like the way the character reacts to it and is so like A, when he says it, when there's so much like pretending to be different personalities in this. Um, when Mel Brooks is pretending to be Earhart, he's like, doesn't know what concentration camps are. Right. And it's like, oh, well, I do concentrate and I am campy or something like that. Yeah. But then later, the guy, the actual Earhart, like, takes it as such a badge of honor that they're calling him that in England. Like, that is a really tough line. I mean, in 1942, the fact that that was in there in 1942, when, you know, concentration camps are at their height. Yeah. And people are being murdered. That's a really like tough. I mean, it's a tough joke anyway. Yeah. But like in 1942, the Americans did not know, or at least the American public did not know the extent of what the concentration camps were. So it is is a very different context of that line where in 1983, we know. And yeah, I think there's this retrospective historical, uh, like, communal thing where a lot of people think that one of the reasons that we became so heavily involved in the war in Europe is like to write this massive inhumanity. No, not at all. We ignored it. And like, that's one of the things like, you know, it was just sort of like happenstance that when we got there and as we got closer to Poland and Berlin and things, it was like, Oh shit, that's not good. Don't do that. Right. I mean, we ignored it. We had the intel. As a Jewish person, there's a lot of like frustration with, you know, talking about, you know, you you talk about refugees and people speaking seeking asylum now. And it's one of those things of like, we need to be like, of course, like, we should let people who are fleeing their countries in. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand like you know, I'm not going to get into politics of that. But like, you know, ships were turned around, carrying Jews escaping. Yeah. And so, like, knowing that it's, like, like having that context and everything, it's very, like, it's really interesting to, like, have that context and know that this, like, when this movie, when the first movie came out, not when this movie came out, but when the first iteration of the script came out, like, they didn't have that context. They didn't have that. Right. And they didn't know, you know, they didn't know mm-hmm. really what the, what the result was going to be. I do think, from what I read, was... The songs to be to your point, Jessica, of Anne Bancroft, and this movie stars both Anne. So the setup of this movie is Anne Bancroft and uh, Mel Brooks are a um, comedy duo in Poland. They run a theater, like vaudeville royalty. Yeah, they run a theater in Warsaw, and they're the Bronskis. And he has such a big ego, and he thinks he's such a good actor that his name. There's a joke on the 
Her name is in parentheses at the bottom of a poster and she's not even pictured or she has like this tiny little, you know, two inch picture. picture. Um, She says, um, you know, I happen to be the co-star of this company. I don't mind my name in smaller print or even under the titles, but in parentheses. And, you know, it's so fun to watch Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft play these roles where there Mm -hmm. is this kind of animosity, a little bit of animosity between them, where he has such a big ego and Mm -hmm. is kind of like ignoring her. And she is like kind of this like femme fatale type. Yeah. And everyone is obsessed with her. Like everyone in in this movie. And well, that's what he says. Like, he's like, you get two bouquets of roses a night and I just get to watch. So, you know, he's like maybe intentionally sidelining her out of resentment because she, you know, regardless of their levels of talent, she's clearly sexy and everyone adores her. Right. And like, she like, it's very clear that she's the brains in the relationship too. Like, I mean, he, he has his moments, but she's definitely the one who's like, so it's, that becomes just such a running joke. I mean, the whole, what I think is like one of the funniest jokes in the movie is right off the bat at the beginning, you have the, you have the, um, you know, the voiceover set up that we're in Poland, you have the exposition done in a very smart way in the voiceover. And then you see them performing a Polish version of sweet Georgie Brown. Mm -hmm. And then they start arguing in Polish. Ladies and gentlemen, in the interest of clarity and sanity, the rest of this movie will not be in Polish. The rest of this movie will not be in Polish. And like, <laughs> I loved I literally it. at the moment when that was said, I started thinking, did I miss the subtitles? Like, did no. I miss <laughs> did I miss something? And then we I think we talked about this before. I think we talked about this in our very first episode when we did House of Gucci, where it's like, these people are Italian. They should be talking in Italian to each other, not English. Like, how does this make sense? Yeah. And so I love that they basically named... But we're supposed to but think what it's I'm Italian. supposed to say, yes, exactly. And so, and so now what we I, know, this everyone so in this movie is speaking Polish. Polish. But we're hearing but, English. And so, and it's, so it's such a good joke because it gets that out of the way yeah. and also names that we know this is a ridiculous thing that movies yes. do, all the, that American yes. movies do all the time. Yes. And we're going to like have fun with it, but like we can't make a movie in Polish. So yeah. like, we're not going to be making a movie in Polish. So everybody's going to be speaking English, but like we played the conceit of like, this is funny. And it was yeah. Um, yeah. like that. There's just so I many appreciate jokes. appreciate like, that off. so much. I do and too. it's a joke that nobody makes. And there it is, you know? The there are so many jokes like right off the bat in this movie. So they're this company. They're on the brink of Germany coming in, and they have like a, they have a whole set where he is prefer- like a spoof of like Hitler coming in the naughty and Nazis. like reading the news. Yeah, the naughty yeah. Nazis, and it's this whole set where like uh, Mel Brooks is playing Hitler and. Um, Heil Myself, which yes. great producers call right out of producers. Great. There are so many great Multiple producers. I mean, times. that's the thing is like, there are so many things that like align so well with the producers yeah. in this movie too. Um, but he has this whole, um, well, like, so this guy, you know, the, the guy who did direct this was, was the a longtime choreographer for Mel Brooks, for including the on the producers. So yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell that like, even though Mel Brooks didn't write this, like, he was heavily involved in bringing it. it together. You can tell that this was like massively inspired by all his other work. So if you had especially not told me that he didn't, oh, no. if you had not told I me that he didn't he write did. it, I would have thought he wrote it. I thought it. he did. And so like, so they're doing this number and it'd be, I don't, I didn't look up whether this number, you know, I just want peace. People don't like me, but I just want peace. peace. And then the number peace. is, I don't want war. All I want is peace. And it is so, so funny. funny. And then it ends with a freaking kick line. Yes. Like it is the most like Broadway-ish number. Like vaudeville-ish. Like yeah. he's 
like kick line with the Nazis. And as he's singing this, like the Polish government is like, you can't do this. The Nazis are basically on the border coming in. You need to pivot. And he's like, well, I am going to do my highlights highlights from Hamlet. Hamlet. And there's another, there's another actor who's like, I want to do Shylock in like a Jewish character. He's like, I'm going to do, I want to do Shylock. And he was like, I think the, they says, um, Oh my gosh, I can't. Oh, oy, the comedian gets to play Hamlet and me, a serious actor, gets to play the first offstage Nazi. <laughs> and so because he's trying to do it, and the Shylock does come in later yes, and saying, like, does. I want to play Shylock. And so, but as we're doing this, he's having this confrontation with the with the Polish government or the Polish uh-huh. officials who are there to like, you know, get them to stop doing this scene. And um they have like, you know, it's vaudeville, so they have a, a variety of different acts. They have some clowns, they have other clowns is an important one. They have other things that they're going to do. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do my highlights from Hale. Or he's like, we are, we are not backing down. And then the Polish government then says, you'll, we are. Now close your theater. All right, and we're backing so down. Earlier, <laughs> one of, yeah, we are we are backing down. And earlier, his big stage manager, his stage manager has been named Sondheim. Sondheim. And it was very clear. Sondheim? He refers to him as Sondheim. Sondheim, how how's this the clowns. Going? And that <laughs> payoff is yes. so freaking good. So good. I cheered. I, because it was like such a long payoff. Like yeah. he'd been calling him Sondheim for so Sondheim. long. Sondheim. And then yeah. Sondheim sent in the, the clowns. clowns. And I was like, yes. That was so, <laughs> so good. good. I knew you would love that one. When I was watching it, I was like, yes, this is a line made for Melanie. <laughs> so it was such a good payoff. One of my Loved so it. I had like three contenders for best line they're all almost a little tied for best line my first one happens like either right before or right after that and everybody's huddled around the radio because like invasion is imminent at this point and he's pissed off he's already pissed off because of everything because everything is getting in the way of him being on stage doing what he wants to do it's after and we should give a little setup to this first because he's gonna go get changed to do Hamlet and the do clowns Hamlet. just went on and and he's like okay. what you know why why aren't you guys getting ready everybody's huddled around the radio and they're like do you not understand like this is going to happen any minute and he says that's politics that's their business we are in the theater that's our business and he goes Sondheim mm-hmm. how's business and Sondheim goes great <laughs> It's before. It's before. I love that. Yeah. I just loved, I did love that's politics. That's their business. We are in the theater. That's our business. And then he like, kind of storms off and asks that as he's going. And then there was another really funny line that sort of like tied into that for me later once war is actually like all over and Warsaw has surrendered. And right. somebody's like, what are we going to do? And he says, we'll do what a theater company should do during a war. We'll hide until it's over. <laughs> I love that line. I thought that was such a good line. Like they're hiding in the, like, they're hiding in the backstage or yeah. the underneath, <laughs> underground of this theater. Um, it was so funny. Um, and so then, so the others, so he has this big ego. He's going to perform Hamlet. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, this, like, very attractive soldier oh, has been so in the attractive. fifth, in the fifth row seat. or fourth row. Yeah, fourth seat in from the aisle in the fifth row. And Every this is another one watching. of my favorite bits. Every, I gotta, hold on. Every single thing in this movie has a tie-in or a callback or a payoff. It is incredible. I literally, this is it's like so one of the things that I said at the very end. It's like, Every single, everything becomes a joke. Everything has a payoff, a callback. So when Mm -hmm. they're talking about these flowers, when she gets off the stage from her song and dance number, she's gotten these two more bouquets of roses. Her entire dressing room is full of flowers. And she, and they're saying like, it's all from the same guy. It's always the same guy. And, and he, and she just goes, and, and Sasha is her dresser. And she says, he must be hopelessly in love with me. And Sasha says, maybe his father's a florist. So they decide. So now that he's going to go do Hamlet, which is a three to four minute soliloquy. And they say like, it's three, you know, the Hamlet's act three, scene one soliloquy or whatever is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I think they say how many supposed to be three or four minutes or something, but it takes him. He loves it so much. It takes him 15 minutes to get through. And yeah. so she's like, oh, that's a perfect time. Go tell this hot guy who's obsessed with me to come back after he says to be or not to be, to come back at the beginning of his line. So he comes back and 
she's like, thank you for all of these flowers. It must be terribly expensive or something like that. And he's like, oh, my father's a florist. Father's and a florist. I died. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And well, what's, what's, what you missed though, is the, the joke of the movie, yes. like the whole joke. And really what sets, what sets Mel Brooks's character Bronski off mm-hmm. is, I mean, to be or not to be is perhaps the most famous stage speech of all time. Everybody knows when like, Everybody knows that line. It is the speech. And because Sasha goes and gets the soldier, right, as that speech is starting, mm-hmm. the soldier exits the it's theater a, very... Excuse me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. me. <laughs> While Mel Brooks is saying to be or not to be, mm-hmm. that is the that is the question. And then he, like, gets mad, yeah. not because the soldier is, like... Because he doesn't know that the soldier is going to go have a... No like, you know, rendezvous with his wife. What he knows How is that this get up jerk in my performance. <laughs> is missing. And then, like, he, like, gets angry, and they're like, wow, this is the is best he actually good tonight? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, because he's, like, you know, angry that somebody's missing his performance. And then the next night, it happens, too. Okay. Yeah. And so he, he gets so mad. Well, and then, like, there's so much greatness in the whole, like we could, we could spend so much time talking about every moment of this movie. Cause it really is so yeah. great. Like when, when, uh, Anne Bancroft, when the soldier goes back to Anne Bancroft's dressing room the first yes. time she and Sasha are listening him tell, tell how he decided the to bomber. be a fighter pilot and all that. Yeah. And he goes, do you want to see, see like, my bomber? very passionately talk about this and goes, do you yeah. want to see my bomber? And they both go, yes. yes. And yes. it's very funny. Um, and then, Oh my God. When he's like, may I kiss you? Good night. And she like, he knows she's married. He knows the mm-hmm. whole situation and she's being like very demure about it. She's being coy, but she's being demure. And so she like offers her hand and he fucking lays it on her. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like He just grabs her and makes out with her up against the wall. Like everybody on TikTok is talking about like the door frame thing from, from romance novels. Like he door frames her. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and she falls to the yeah. floor as soon as he leaves. And it's so, so oh, good. So good. Well, and I was like, and then the audacity so, of this man, but like, and then like, her. it's very clear that, <laughs> and then like the next night, it's very clear that Poland is like, he's invited back again. The same thing happens with the speech. And then it's like, and then we find out that Germany has invaded yes. Poland. Uh-huh. He's going to have to be called to war. There's he, an like, air raid, you know, like proposes, immediately. Yeah. He like proposes that they go off and, together and she's like no like all these things and so he leaves and then like there's the whole like they're all having this realization that things are happening and the yeah. show's being like the show's being shut down he they, comes back they're having this uh mel brooks comes Just back pissed. and i rate yeah. i rate i can't believe it's, it's, this is terrible I can't and they're all like this I is know, terrible i know i hate that I know man I hate and, and, and they and think he's saying this hitler is, like, essential talking past yeah. each other I know I hate him too. I think all of Europe hates him. Then Mel Brooks is like, what? Oh yeah. He's and like, like no, he's like, my speech was interrupted twice. Yeah. And then so, we jump later. So actually that is my, so are you going to the end now? The end end? No. You okay. Go, you go so, to the end. so let's go to the end end. Everybody is hunky dory. I don't know if they decided to have a thruple or what. I don't know. I'm just going to head canon like, I mean, that they're in a thruple because why would you so not be? Talk to you like, later. They, like, <laughs> everything's, they're in the war. Yeah. The, they go so to Belsky. Yeah. He's in England. He's in they England. Go, they get to England. In England. They um, then concoct this whole plot to, to not only escape themselves, um, during this, Hitler's going to come in a very inglorious bastards type move. Hitler commissions their theater for a private performance. This and is after they should use, say, like, if you yeah, have this not seen the this very movie, end. <laughs> this, and this is after a whole bunch of like, yes, back and forth. I feel like there's there's so, a bunch of back and yes. forth. Like, we'll get to all of they it. Use the fact that they're a theater ahead. like to trick the Nazis, yes. basically. Like, like the whole thing is like Sobeski comes back and finds Anna. Bronsky, because he has realized that his professor is actually a Nazi spy mm-hmm. and is going to give this list to Colonel Earhart, and we have to stop him. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, there's a whole bunch of ways where Mel Brooks dresses up as the professor and then Mel Brooks dresses up as Earhart and, and gets the list Hitler. and there's this whole, <laughs> and yeah. later, and ultimately Hitler. Yes. And the, the real professor gets shot and killed and there's this whole thing. And so that all leads us to, and we'll probably go back and talk about more yeah. of that, but that leads us to the end. But the end, it, we get our happy ending. They helped, um, they helped, I mean, Sasha was a homosexual and he was being targeted and they actually do bring him in for a little bit um with the intention of sending him to a concentration camp they're 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 providing there's so refuge many to moments. multiple jewish families because their costumer is jewish and she's been taking in people that she knows that have been hiding in the mm-hmm. theater so Estelle Reiner, not only love to see it yeah not only are they trying to get out themselves but they're also trying to to help these refugees basically. Um, and so they get to Britain in the end and they started a little, or they're doing, um, they're putting on a show at some, at the Royal theater or something like that mm-hmm. as a, a fundraiser for the Polish relief fund or something like that. Right. And very, so very he's doing, and he says, I'm going to do my highlights of Hamlet and they go, highlights <laughs> which is exactly the reaction that you should have to that word being used. And, so he starts it and he's so happy. You can tell because he's like, Hey, like that guy, he's my buddy. Now we saved nobody's each other. Like we help, you know, nobody's going to interrupt me that there's no way this is going to happen. I'm going to get through it. And he says to be or not to be, that is the question. And some random guy almost in the same seat gets up and goes, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. So I think my best line is, to be or not to be, that is the question. Excuse me, pardon me. Excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> I mean, that and because is the, like, when, when, um, that is the engine of the movie. When Tim Matheson comes back, he goes to Sasha's apartment, which is where, um, Anna and Frederick are staying. And right, because their house got taken over by the Nazis yeah, yeah. as like their mission to be the they lived in Gestapo this like, lavish, uh-huh. beautiful house. So, she gives him the bed and she's going to stay there and explain like, he's just crashing here because he's on this like top secret mission. But the Gestapo comes to take her mm-hmm. and interview her um, about him, why he tried to send her a note right. while to, he was in England. To, prof- to, to be profess- the professor. Uh-huh. To be or not to be. And While Mel Brooks is playing the professor, right? No, he's not he hasn't done yet. that yet. No, no, he hasn't done that yet because he doesn't know about. Yeah, he doesn't know about Smith yeah. yet. So, so he comes back home after. I think he's trying to negotiate how he can reopen the theater or something, and he comes mm-hmm. back home and he, he's all tired and cranky. And it's a censorship board. It's the German censorship yes, board. Yes, that's right. Which probably is where one of my least favorite lines comes from, but it's for the same. It's like grasping at straws at the same straws we always grasp at because mm-hmm. there's not much to this movie that was worse you know a worst line but anyway right. moving forward on the best line <laughs> so tim madison's like all bundled up in the bed he's got like blankets wrapped around his head and mel brooks thinks it's anna and is talking like you know it's anna until line. he's like rubs his face and is like you need a shave and then he's like a shave and he sits up and he looks over at his face recognizes it's the guy that has ruined his highlights from hamlet twice and goes to be or not to be excuse me pardon me excuse me pardon me like it's pa- it's like in his sleep it's pavlovian yeah. he has yeah. that response to it now and then that's also when anna comes Anna comes in and it's this whole thing but going back to the, the shave line the setup of that shave he's yeah. like he's like Mel Brooks is just like talking that he wants to like snuggle with his wife yeah. in bed. And there's this man in the bed, which he doesn't know because it's, he's like wrapped up and he goes, I'm going to buy you all these things. You need a coat. Yes. You need a dress. Yes. You need shoes. And then he like brushes and and you know, it's coming. Like yeah. if you know the setup of comedy, you, goes, you need a shave. And he just says it like matter of factly. Yeah. And then like, you know, one, two, three, a shave. It's <laughs> so good. It's that like very much like, little red riding hood and like what big eyes you have but it's so like it's so well done honestly i took four pages of notes because i I just like wrote down i i took four pages of notes and forgot to write like forgot to even pay attention to worst lines i didn't because i write my my worst line down i just thought of it afterward 
all of the so like so much of the middle of this movie is leveraging the fact that they're a theater troupe and they're yeah. actors and so the way I literally wrote the nazis this movie is like an ode to the magic of costumes and makeup like the magic of or set theater. dressing because yes. when they have and making the they office because they have the naughty nazis mm-hmm. set already so we can just make a gestapo office obviously <laughs> <laughs> and they like even put up a sign outside the theater yeah. saying like Gestapo office and then they take it down. And yeah. it's just like an homage to like stagehands yes. and everybody that goes into make the a production magic in of a the theatrical shoot. illusion. Like, yes, it's so, yes. it's so. And, like, and one of my favorite know, bits is when they, when they find the body of Professor, Professor Stilitsky. Stilitsky, yeah. They kind of, the Colonel thinks he's going to trap him, right? So they invite him because he's called because he thinks he's rescuing Anna again because Anna keeps getting called well, in by the Gestapo because so, they want to date her. And- so Mel Brooks has been, Mel Brooks was the, Mel Brooks at first impersonated Earhart to the real Professor Stilitsky yes. who gives him the list and then they realize there's a duplicate. So they yeah. haven't foiled the plan. They need to then go and find the duplicate. They need to go back to Stilitsky's house. And that's where Anna comes in and Anna's going to go have dinner with the professor. Mm-hmm. Then the professor gets called away. There's this whole thing. There's a chase in the theater, which I literally wrote down theater chase. Yay. Nostalgia. Yay. <laughs> um, we should have like, you know, a game for as many times as Jessica and I reference our background yes. and doing children's theater. <laughs> because like a theater chase was like the pinnacle of Yeah, we had to, scene. if like, there if wasn't, wasn't a chase... We added one. <laughs> if there wasn't a chase, we added one. And those days blocking those were the worst. Yes. <laughs> it took so long. Did you have um, to do, did you actually ever, I don't know if I was actually ever part of one, but I remember. I was part of, I was part of several. And it was always like when you, when you finally got to be a character who was a part of a chase. Yeah, I never did. A Paul chase. It was like a pinnacle moment because I was part of several because I was I was always on stage, like watching it and waiting for it to end and trying not to laugh Mm. because all the little kids in the audience were just giggling like nonstop for the whole chase. Yeah, (laughs) I definitely when I was definitely the one I remember most is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs because I was the lead dwarf. Okay, when I did that, I didn't do that show either time. They did they did it three times because they did it once. Yep, when that was the first one I saw. Yeah, and I wasn't in that one. And then they did it when. Monica was Snow White, and uh, then they did it when Chris, it. Christina and was Snow White, Chris, and Brian yeah. was the prince. Yeah. Anyway, was we not a single but time. <laughs> the chase. So they chase, and then they kill the real professor. So then now Mel Brooks has to pretend to be the professor mm-hmm. it, to the real Colonel. Which Earhart. he does successfully. And it's the best performance of his life, and nobody sees it. No one saw it. And then, um, and, and then hold on, hold on. They, Wait, we got to stop real quick. When he goes to. The Gestapo office is where this Colonel Earhart is, which is Charles Durning, and he was nominated for an Oscar for this role. And he is hilarious. If you're not sure um, who Charles Durning is, audience listeners, I'm sure that you've seen him play Santa Claus in some movie or another. I think he's played Santa Claus like more than anybody else on screen. Anyway, we're we're totally looking over our number one returning champ. In, oh, Christopher in, Lloyd. What? Yes, Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. I in totally a, forgot. And this role is hysterical. Role. He, he plays is playing an Schultz. actual... And then the oh first God. few times... Because the first I don't few know times anything have, about that. <laughs> no. Well, in the first few times they have like Nazi Gestapo officers come, it is actors yes. pretending to be yeah. Nazis. And then you have actual... Chris, Christopher Lloyd playing an actual Nazi who is Earhart's... Is like Earhart's like, right hand guy. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> and he like every time there's something that goes wrong, Christopher Lloyd is like, "You ordered us you to do told that." Me to do like, that. Stop shifting the blame. Oh, just stop shift, the blame. shift, shift. That's all you do. <laughs> and they can't. And they, so anyway, going like, back to what Jessica Anna was, keeps trying to make conversation with him, and in mm-hmm. the first couple interactions, and he keeps saying, "I don't know anything about that," <laughs> and right. just with this total stone face. But then every time he interacts with with Earhart, he gets like so flustered because he's being told everything is he's doing is wrong. Oh God, it's such a good part. And I don't know if this is like one of his first roles in a movie, but whew, he nailed it. He was so good. It's so, so funny. It can't be one of his first roles in a movie. I don't know. But it's so funny. And like, you know, he's our favorite returning champ. I think he's come up like, this might be his fourth time now. Yeah. Fourth, I think. But he's just so, so funny. Um, and then there's at one point, like, Basically, what Mel Brooks does to always try to like 
have the upper hand on Earhart is that he will like anything Earhart does. Like there's a joke that Earhart makes about uh, Hitler being a pickle because he's a sourpuss. And Maddox is like, I'm going to tell him you said that. That's not funny. (laughs) The professor professor is supposed to be like good friends with Hitler. And so then when they discover that the professor is dead, the real professor is dead. This is what you were talking about earlier. And they put him in a chair in the office. Thank you for sticking with us. We're all over the place today. (laughs) It's hard to explain this movie. It is super plot heavy. Like so much happens. Like it's interesting actually that we paired this one with it's the opposite of. And I think like we paired these two. We have more themes for the other ones that we paired, but we paired these two because they were more obscure. Mm -hmm. That was that was the pair. They're more obscure, and like it's so so through this whole. It's like a madcap caper basically of missed disguises, misconnections. Because there's a whole thing where like Mel Brooks gets back as Stabitsky, right? As like, they're bringing Anna in to meet Earhart. And like, there are these all sorts of things of misconnections. And it ends up with Mel Brooks playing Hitler at the end, you know, because there's this whole thing that, oh, we've, we've scheduled, we've rented out this theater for, you're going to do a performance for Hitler. Which he basically, which Colonel Earhart basically throws together on a whim, just because like everyone else, he wants He's to have dinner with Anna. Mm-hmm. Another great line is when the perf- when uh, Mel Brooks is pretending to be Stilitsky, the professor, and he's talking to Earhart, and Earhart's like, "Yeah, she's supposed to be like talking about Anna." He goes, um, "Good, she's good company, I hear." And he he goes, "Good company, hasn't he got a husband?" Like. Knowing mm-hmm. that it's himself. And she goes, she not only has a husband, she has a lover. They have a secret love code, which is how, like, it was to be or not to be. Yeah. And he got mad, not because when, like, he, because Earhart tells him the code. It's like, I got, knew not, it couldn't happen not, two be- times. <laughs> yeah. Not because that his wife has a lover, yeah. supposedly, which he, she really doesn't. I mean, like, it's, no, they, it's it was all just because, flirtatious, but he was in and, love and, with like, her, but she, he's in love with her yeah. and she's just flirting because she likes the attention because yeah. her husband has an ego and isn't giving her any, yeah. um, which is, Again, so fun to play and ba- see I do. Bancroft and Mel Brooks. Play <laughs> I do like because by the end you do see like yeah. you know when he comes in like she's like oh I have a meeting with some anyway um, he has this whole like thing about like I knew it couldn't happen twice like he's mad yeah. about that and not that his wife is having an affair yeah and then later as she's supposed to meet the like very very sound of music the ending in mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this is where I think the movie is so. There's so much madcap humor and whatever in this movie, but there's so much poignancy too. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Sasha early on in the movie. He has the pink triangle on his coat. Anna goes, what's that? He goes, the latest fashion accessory Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, he very much, you know, makes it kind of like a thing. Um, Latest fashion in Poland. And then they're talking, he very soberly says, you know, they're identifying homosexuals too and mm-hmm. you know asks if they're rounding them up and she says no and he goes i hate it and there's this lovely moment where she knows what's coming he knows what's coming they're crying mm-hmm. because of the horror and she he just goes it clashes with everything and it's just such a lovely like okay yes it's a joke mm-hmm. i hate it and there's so much weight to i hate it there yeah and then turns it into it clashes with everything. So it brings that levity to a moment we know as the audience and they know mm-hmm. is not a light moment at all. Right. And then later, as you said, they're hiding Jewish families or hiding him. Mm-hmm. They are part of the Polish resistance. Right. And the clowns again come back because one of the whole mm-hmm. the whole early scene was the clown car. Yeah. And they've painted the faces of all of these people yeah. to be clowns. Mm-hmm. And they have this brilliant moment that you don't really know it's going to happen because you know there's a plot somehow, mm-hmm. but like they're distracting the SS people in the lobby, which is where Shylock comes back again. Yes. And they do the whole distraction to get Mel Brooks dressed as Hitler. Mm-hmm. The Jewish actor gives this whole Shylock speech and it's brilliant. It is so good. It's so good. The whole half not a Jew have eyes. Um, it's, I mean, it's a stunning speech. And they do this whole plot. They're getting the everybody out through this clown car. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Anna's getting ready to leave herself. Meanwhile, Earhart comes back early and she's like, uh, you're not what? supposed to be here yet. Mm-hmm. And she goes, 
I also wrote down no means no. Uh, uh, because yeah. he is He's awful. very pressuring her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, somebody, I'm somebody bigger is coming to meet me. Like she's, you know, and he's like, who could be bigger than me? And right. at that moment, as Hitler, but like dressed still as Hitler, yeah. because he's just had this moment where he's released his friend who's playing who played Shylock, he goes back to the dressing room to collect Anna, basically. Because she was supposed to meet them at the stage door, Mm -hmm. and she's not there, so he goes rushing in. Right, and so he sees the Earhart with her, and he's dressed as Hitler, and Earhart's like, uh, and Anna's like, you could just see, like, the love on Mm -hmm. Anne Bancroft's face. Like, I mean, yes, they're playing a married couple, but you see just that adoration that they have for each other. Mm Mm-hmm. She's like, see, I told you, I tried to tell him somebody big was coming. And then you get the pickle callback. I'm like, yeah. I heard you called me a pickle. And <laughs> Colonel it's Earhart. So good. Aren't you and, the one who tells a joke about me becoming a pickle? Me being a pickle. <laughs> and yeah. I do like earlier too, like when he's going to play Soletsky for the first Stiletsky for the first time. And like, he's freaking out. He does not think he can do it. No. Because he failed playing the Colonel. He, the professor right. found him out and they had the big shootout and everything. So yes. he he's like, Listen, if I don't come back alive, I forgive you for whatever happened between you and Lieutenant Sabinsky. But if I do come back, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they she have doesn't the, say the anything. Thing. She's just like, best of luck. Please okay. don't die. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they have the whole, that same joke framework comes back later with Sabelsky. Like, mm-hmm. hey, if I don't come back, like, it's been like a good run or something yeah. like that. And then he doesn't, he doesn't follow that up with it. If I do come yeah. back, but that, that setup is there again. And then like with the whole name, Sabelsky, Stilisky, I mean, like yeah. we've been saying them the whole time right. and there's a nice joke of like, who's you, who are you? Sabelsky. Who are, who are we talking about? Solowski. Who's dead? Stilitsky. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's very much like the, the fun names there. Um, they also do a fun, like, it's just so fun. I, as I, I have been putting off saying my best line because I seriously like there's so much that is so 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 good in this movie and I don't like I have a, it's so hard for me to choose I have two lines I have to get in best line okay go so for we, it so we so we've been talking about like the back and forth that he's he's Earhart then he's Stiletsky then when he knows that Stiletsky's dead then they mm-hmm. find out Stiletsky's dead and yes. they put his body in the office and they're just trying yes. to get him to like freak out and break so that they can like find out who he actually is and get information right. from him. He doesn't. He brought an extra beard because he felt mm-hmm. like the one he had was going to maybe fall off. So he yes. shaves the dead body, puts a beard on and then calls them in and like does this whole roundabout like one of us is an imposter um i could be wearing a fake beard and they're like he could be wearing a fake beard and he's like well go ahead and check so they yank on his beard it obviously comes off well the corpse yeah off of off of the real stiletsky's dead body and so they're convinced like oh that guy's the imposter okay we're so sorry that we did this to you please don't tell hitler about my terrible jokes but anna saw him come or Anna knew that he was coming there, I guess, to rescue her because she had been brought in again mm-hmm. when they didn't know. So she goes back to the theater and tells them to go rescue him, but he's already successfully yes. like won them over. Well, then mm-hmm. his guys come in and say, this is an imposter. And you didn't even try to tug on his beard once, not once. <laughs> And they are, they're, I love they're that. That was one of my favorite the, lines. And they're so good at it. Like, they're so good at pretending yeah, to be Nazis. They're, they're disguised as they're like the Fuhrer's protection yeah, yeah. Like, group. And that's why they rank higher than Earhart, who really should be ranking higher than all of them. But there's this whole thing. And it's just so madcappy. I, I think another one of my favorite lines or just favorite line reads it was Anne Bancroft when they're, they are seizing the house. She's sitting in this chair and one of the Nazis goes like, get out of the Colonel's chair. And she goes, forgive me. Oh. I have such a rotten memory. 10 minutes ago, it was my chair. Yeah. And it's a great line read. And she's just so like, yeah. whatever. Or then when, and then when Sobetsky's comes back, he like parachuted in, he's like all wet. And he, she was like, you parachuted in to see me. And he was like, no, no I'm on a secret mission. No. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Then right also in that scene, right before the beard part, 
he, or I don't know when it is actually. No, it's the first time that he goes and successfully is Stiletsky. And he's talking to Earhart and they're talking about Anna and they're like, and it, you know, his husband, I hear he's really good. And, and I don't know how exactly it comes up, but basically he's like, I, I don't think he's that good. What he did to Hamlet, we are now doing We're to doing Poland. to Poland. I think that's, it's a great line. I loved it. And then there's a break a leg. <laughs> oh, there's the whole, the uh, whole producer's like, reference. verbatim producers. Cause he says, good luck. Yep. He goes, no, don't ever say no, good luck. Say and good the luck Tim Matheson character is like, well, what do I, what am I supposed to say when I mean good luck? And he says, say break a leg. Okay. Break a leg. He shuts the he, door. Boom, 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 boom. And he comes out and he's like hanging over the banister of the st- apartment staircase. Yes. And he's like, what happened? I tripped. I almost broke my leg. And he's like, Oh, Okay, and so he gets down and he starts walking again, and then and he's like, "Don't say break a leg again." And so he goes, "Okay, good luck." Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so. If I had to choose the best line, which like I suppose I have to because like that is the name of our podcast. I think ah, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I I like. I almost think that like. I don't know. I, I I came very ill prepared for this movie because it was just so good and it's I loved just, everything you get about in. it. Both of them, I really you get just so was sucked like, in. Oh, I'm just I wrote this. so many notes because it was just like so good. I think like if I'm gonna choose one that just like killed me because it all was just so good, I am I'm gonna go with Sondheim Send of the Clowns because I, I just knew you would. I knew it. It's so it's, good. It's not it does not encapsulate the movie, it does not no. do anything. As far, far but it's as so I can. perfect. But Sondheim sending the clowns is a perfectly created joke. It was it was set up. You're like, okay, because it's like, okay, he's very clearly calling him Sondheim multiple times. Yeah. Like, you know something's coming up with it, but I don't know what it is. And then you see the clowns, like I didn't put it together, and then he says Sondheim, and I'm like, oh my God, yes. And then the fact that the clowns come back later yeah. as as the exit, yes. as you're getting all of these people out there, it just is such a good setup for the movie. And like, you know, going back to that scene as all of these people are leaving, it's like it's right in front of the Nazis' faces, and it's yeah. so. It's again, yeah. it's very sound of musicy, but like they're just like laughing the whole time, which is like, ugh, you know. But it's because it's funny. It's all these people coming out of this Claire, and then you have this woman who is so scared of them. Yes, rightly, she can't move, and she and it's like, oh, this could she could ruin this whole yep. thing, and then Sasha brilliantly oh, it's comes heartbreaking. back. Heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. He brilliantly comes back and like puts the yellow star on each of them. And yeah, kind of makes and it's fun like, of, oh, like, they're yeah, like, yeah. ha ha, they're Jews, ha ha, and it is. I mean, like, again, as a Jewish person watching that, you're like, oh. yeah, yeah, and they're like, oh, ha 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 ha, like, and then, but like, that actually is the thing yeah. that gets them to yep. mm-hmm. leave, and then they all escape, including the dog Mutki. Mutki hops on the plane. Oh god, I'm so scared. I know. I've like, seen this Mutki. movie before. I was like, oh. The dog is the dog going to make it? I forgot. You know, I think my favorite, like my favorite funny line is sometimes in the clouds, but there's such a poignancy. I might also have to give it to, I hate it. It clashes with everything mm-hmm. because I think the level of poignancy in that okay, line well, read and that and, moment between them is genius. And obviously like not in any way to disparage how absolutely brutal and horrific this was, this era and and the third reich was for jewish people but something that is legitimately terrifying in current times is how a lot of people don't realize how many other groups were similarly persecuted like homosexuals so when you see or, i mean and, and many or other don't realize that jews were either like or, or just like, tr- don't know anymore right like, they just don't know which right. is just terrifying or or want to like completely ignore it and say it was fake and you know that kind of stuff but yes that's terrible but how many people like don't realize you know especially as we go through this period in our country of the united states of america where people want to like that yeah where people want to erase and suppress and oppress and just treat these people horribly and, and in some cases are quite are violent and would like this group of people to have zero rights and not even zero rights not exist. Right. Exactly. Um, And people just don't, I think have enough historical context to realize what a gateway that is, what a doorway that is to Mm -hmm. 
you know, if it's, if it's this group now, and then it's that group later, and then it's going to be you if you keep letting this happen. And that's because you're part of some group that somebody somewhere is going to say, if you're not, if you're not a cis white male who has money, like you're, you are going to be persecuted against because that's who has the power. And I think what, like, you know, that's, to not get too far off this movie, but what you see in this movie is like, I mean, obviously Mel Brooks is Jewish, mm-hmm. um, but like the characters in this movie, they're not. And right. it's like, they are sacrificing and putting themselves in danger to save people because they should be saving them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to get slightly political for a moment, it's like, we don't necessarily, like we need to all, like one of the things that white supremacy does so well is that it put pits groups against it mm-hmm. hits yeah. the groups who are not in power against each other yeah. instead of pointing the finger at white supremacy. And so yeah. what we really all need to do is come together and say, no, this is the problem. And I think you're, I, there are a lot of, a lot of ways you see that you see a lot, yeah. a lot of ways groups are coming together to support each other. And we just need to continue that narrative yeah. because that's what, it, like the, if we're like, we need to support each other. And I think, you know, we're seeing it's in the news that like, you know, neo-Nazis are, you know, marching outside of trans uh, mm-hmm. outside of drag brunches it's just disgusting and ridiculous and it's it's all hatred yeah. and that's why movies like this and like and teaching the history are super important to show like no this is not okay and like right. this is not only not okay it is you know it is it is outright dangerous yeah and i mean i think there is like you know, to go to kind of like worse lines in this movie. I don't, again, I don't know if I had one. I was reading in a review in the New York times when this came out that it was saying, you know, compared to the 1942 movie, um, because we had the context, because we had the hindsight, does this movie go too far with some of the jokes? I would argue, no, no. like, yeah. Is it, is it dicey to make a lot of the jokes that they made like about Hitler or about, um, you know, I, I mean, you know, case in point, the concentration camp, camp Earhart one, that is a dicey joke. Yeah. But again, as we were talking about when we started this episode, Mel Brooks, the punch it's very is clear. not down. Yeah, it's very clear that up. we're and yes, making fun joking of. About concent- joking about concentration camps, like that is, that gets, that gets really, really hard. Like yeah. that gets, I mean, oh, that's a, that's a tough joke to make. And I could see where that is right up against the line. And the the punch is up. The punch mm-hmm. is always up. It is never down. In fact, they do such a good job to really highlight the poignancy of getting these people out. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of a worse line, I, I think it one. kind of play like I, I just have one and it's the same thing. And it just kind of like kind of goes in this vein of conversation that we're that we're talking about. And I also didn't necessarily think it was needed. Mm-hmm. So he comes back from the censorship office, the German censors, and they're telling him what he can do on the stage, what he can say um, and what he can't say. And I'm not even going to say the words, but they've told him he can't, yeah. he can't have any acts uh, about homosexuals or with homosexuals. And he can't have, can't reference uh, the, Roma Romani people, mm-hmm. but he says it using, uh, he says, he and then the, he says without, he uses the slurs and he says without Jews and then blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And he uses two slurs, um, which fine, not fine, not fine. But that's what people were saying in the eighties when this movie was made, unfortunately. Um, and it's not necessarily say- that like, it's not necessarily that I can't handle those slurs being used in the context of when the film was made, um, because we run or into when that the film is taking or place. when the fo- right, like that we talk about all the time. And we said, yeah, I don't like that. Well, I didn't like it, but I also didn't like, like, that was one of those moments where like Frederick, the character does sort of seem like he doesn't have a handle on who it's okay to right. make fun of. Right. Which is not a Mel Brooks Thing. Mel Brooks's comedy has always been, he knows exactly who he's making fun of, right. and that's why it always works. And so for that, I know we don't completely sympathize with Frederick, but like, I didn't think we needed him to be that guy. Yeah. Like, we've already established that we're going to sort of 
be, you know, he's going to sort of make us bristle with the fact that he's just a completely self-absorbed, uh, egocentric. Mm -hmm. I don't think we needed him to be like, they won't let me make fun of anyone, (laughs) you know? Right. Exactly. Um, Again, that's just like, that's that's your typical, like, white male joke. Right. I can't make any jokes anymore. Why can't I make fun of, yeah. We all know that's not, like, you can make jokes. You just shouldn't be making yeah. Shouldn't be making jokes that punch down. Like you never want to punch down. Yeah, I I I heard that line and I was like, oh, don't love. I guess that would be my worst line too. Um, but other than that, I thoroughly loved this movie. It was such a delight to see Anne Bancroft and uh, Mel Brooks play together, and just you, their adoration and love just like radiates through the movie. And one of my favorite parts of the movie was the curtain call at the end. <laughs> Yes. I they do a full like, because they're doing and a production the in England. Oh, yeah. And it's a great as Jessica was saying, there's so much in this movie that like a joke always has a payoff. Mm-hmm. And so like at the end they talk about, you know, at the very beginning in that poster, her name's in the parentheses. And so they come out together, share last bow, and it's Mel Brooks and then in parentheses and Bancroft. And then he like wipes it away and her name yeah. is not in parentheses. But it is it's such a good callback and they're in the same costumes as from the beginning. Yeah. And it's such good framing of the movie. And that's what Mel Brooks does. What Mel Brooks does that so well. I know he didn't direct or write this, but like the framing in a Mel Brooks movie is it's so thoughtful and we'll see that in the other ones we discuss. Yes. Anyway. So yeah, thanks for joining us on this ride. I don't have anything else. I don't think we can say anything else. I don't think we can say anything else. The (laughs) other movies we are going to be looking at in the Mel Brooks tournament, if you are curious, are um, we are going to be doing the producers, Gene Wilder Wilder Day, the producers, and Young Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. We will be doing um, History of the World Part One. Oh yeah, History of the World Part One, and and some selections from some Part Two, uh, recent release Part Two on Hulu. Um, the long-awaited part two. Mm-hmm. And then we will be doing the spoof era, which is like around the same time as maybe a little later, actually probably a this little is later like, in this like movie. The ni- mid-90s, I think, would be. Mid-90s. So which would be time. Spaceballs, which was earlier, and then mm-hmm. um, Men, Men in Tights. So we are doing, those are the tournament. Stick yeah. around with us. Hang out on Instagram at make Best Line Worst sure, Line. Yes, make sure you follow uh, follow us on Instagram so that you can be involved in the voting because you will be voting yes. on on between Melanie and I's best and worst lines for each movie, then between mm-hmm. the movies themselves, and then as we narrow it down, the best lines, the best best lines, and the best worst lines will progress we will have some guests the they bracket. will have their own best and worst lines uh mm-hmm. until we get it narrowed down to the best mel brooks line and the worst mel brooks, worst line, mel brooks line chosen by you not us chosen i mean we're choosing you. them for you to choose to then but <laughs> write in with your own too if you want to watch yeah, with us, write in with your own um anyway we will see this is gonna be a next blast. time who doesn't love Mel Brooks? I mean, come on. So good. Thanks for listening. Now, that reminds me of a very funny story going around Warsaw. A story about our Führer. Now, how does it go? Oh, yes. They named a brandy after Napoleon. They made a herring out of Bismarck. And Hitler will end up as a pickle. A pickle? Yes, because he is such a sour puss. <laughs> 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 <laughs>